Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. God bless the praise team today. Thank God for them and just an awesome worship time and them coming and, and doing that for us today. I realize these are, uh, as most have said, unprecedented times, and, uh, but we are here worshiping a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and uh, he does not change. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, today, I just want to use uh, the title, Such a Time as This, because uh, I don't know of any title more appropriate. Those are the words that Mordecai in Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, that he said to his niece, to Esther, and uh, it was a very dangerous time. It was a confusing time for the Jews. They were under the dominion of a heathen king and Haman had concocted a, a uh, method of having them eradicated. And the king had issued a decree for that to occur on a certain day. And, uh, but God had positioned Esther in a place where she could be of influence to the one that had the authority. Can you say amen? And what uh, Mordecai encouraged her to do, he said that... Uh, Verse 13, he said, to Esther, don't think that in your heart that you'll escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews. Isn't that something that he had confidence? If she wasn't the one to do it, that God would still raise it up and do it. He said, the, the deliverance will come from another place, but you and your father's house will perish Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, I believe that this, obviously none of this has caught God by surprise. And one thing I want you to remember, you're alive. This is on your watch. In other words, this happened with you on the planet. How many believes that God's got a sovereign hand in that as well? And so uh, I want us to just uh, look at this today from God's word and what, God would say to us this morning, let's pray. Father, we do love you, and we do make decrees today. We decree the eradication of this virus, and Lord God, the fear that's behind it. God, for you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and joy and of a sound mind. And so we stand on your word, God, knowing that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we give you praise and honor and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said. All right, you may be seated. God bless you. The Bible says, and I think I mentioned this last Sunday in Revelation chapter 5 and 10, that the Bible calls us kings and priests. It says we are both kings and priests to our God. And then it goes on to make this statement, and we shall reign on the earth. Unless you think that that is something that's futuristic and only uh, for after the rapture or whatever, Paul in Romans 5 and 17 he goes on to repeat the same thing. He said, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So you're a king. Everybody say, I'm a king. And if you are a king, that means you need to act like one. And you need to speak like one. And you need to reign like one. And you need to talk like one. And you need to exercise the authority and the dominion that God has granted us through Jesus Christ. And so we know that, that faith operates or comes because of grace. In other words, we're saved by grace through faith, 
but faith must be acted upon. In other, in other words, for us to benefit from it. And the easiest way for us to express our faith is to speak it out. What comes out of our mouth. And I want to tell you, there's never been a more important time for the church to say the right thing at this time. And I'm not talking about just out in some public forum, but I'm talking about to your children, your grandchildren, your family. Uh, words are powerful. We know that. The Word of God teaches us that. And words have the ability to build up or to tear down, to cause fear, or to cause faith, to guide us in times like this or to misdirect us and to bring clarity and peace or confusion and worry. And so we have to, to uh, say the right thing now at the right time. I love that verse in Proverbs 25 and 11. It says a word uh, fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Man, if you just think about that picture, it's so appropriate. And so kings exercise dominion. Uh, that's what Ecclesiastes 8 and 4 says. The word of the king has power. And so when God's kings speak God's word, God backs up his word with God's power. You see that? And so when you reveal Jesus, your words are supernaturally empowered to bring salvation and freedom and deliverance and peace to those that are in bondage or those that are being held captive. And uh, that's what Mordecai was saying. He, he, said, he said, don't choose to be silent. We got a lot of Christians seem to me that have been silenced. More Christians have been silenced by this uh, virus because they just don't know what to say. Uh, that's just what Mordecai told Esther. He said, don't remain silent now. Of all times, don't remain silent. And, of course, if you read that story on, she finally went on the next couple of verses and she said, I'm, I won't be silent. I'll go before the king, and if I die, I die. In other words, the king hadn't called for her, and in those days you didn't just show up at the king's palace and walk in in his presence. And he would give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Actually, this king would extend his scepter. And he did for Esther when she came in. But she put her life at peril. And uh, being silent when we're supposed to speak is not good for the kingdom of God or for the people that, that we should be speaking to. Uh, what about Adam? Let's just call him King Adam in the garden. He, he didn't speak when he should have spoke. And because he didn't speak, he was uh, th that authority you know, where we were, we were plunged into sin. And that's a fatal mistake for a person that operates in that, in that kingship and that authority. Uh, the thing that's, that's kind of uh, not been such a blessing to us, I think, in this time is, you know, in the Bible when we read about things going on, whether it's a worldwide famine or whatever, the kings and the authorities all look to the men of God, the prophets of God, to the church, if you will, for an answer. What a lot of the church has done, I don't mean this in a condemning way, but just a realization that we pray to God and then we ask the governor what we should do. We pray to God, we plead with God, and then we look to the government to direct us and guide us and tell us what to do. And that's unprecedented with the church. In fact, uh, the Bible teaches that they come to the church they come to, the, to God. They would say things like, is there not a prophet among us that can speak to this? Is there not a word from the Lord? Cannot someone hear from God in regard to this? And uh, I, I remember in the Bible in Genesis when a worldwide famine was coming upon the world, uh, God gave the dream to Pharaoh. He didn't give it to a, a, one of his children. He gave it to the one that was in authority. He gave it to one that had the power. He gave it to a heathen king, Pharaoh, but that king couldn't interpret it. 
He didn't know what it meant. And so they called for Joseph, and I won't go into all the story, but Joseph was brought before him. And, and, and Joseph said, I don't know the answer right now, but I'll seek God because God has the answer. And Joseph went away, and he came back, and he gave him the interpretation. And he said, here, O Pharaoh, this is what this means. There is going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of worldwide famine, and this is what we should do. And he put him in authority and said, nobody bows, does the hand, lifts a hand or anything unless Joseph says so. And Joseph was God's man in, a, in the, saying the right thing at the right time, and Pharaoh looked to him, and that's what we got to have right now. You know, it's been amazing to me, uh, probably like it has been to some of you, of all the, and I, I realize, and I, you know, I'm trying to be compassionate, and I realize people, some people, that's all they've ever taught, all they've ever been taught. They, they were raised with this, and so I've noticed that nobody's quoting New Testament verses on, on Facebook and stuff. They're all going to the Old Covenant, and they're reaching in there and pulling out a verse about judgment, or they're reaching there and pulling out this and that, and they're posting that as if that brings some kind of comfort. As if God has sent this, and not only are they saying as if God has sent it, I have had people send me stuff which I delete very quickly, uh, be it a voice message or whatever where they're trying to, where it just all it does is bring fear and anxiety and worry, and uh, that God is behind this. Um, I had a, someone send me a thing this week, and I didn't realize people could post on my timeline, uh, and they posted it on my timeline, but I have fixed that now. Uh, where that can't happen again because I would never want somebody to go on my timeline and see some things that somebody posted as if I believed in that because I believe in the opposite of that but they had a a, a, a minister and he, he, you know he has a, a large following but uh, you know all uh, bleary eyed from lack of sleep and told us how long he'd been up and hadn't slept and all that and then that, that God spoke to him and and that, this, that he had sent this virus, it, and it was coming on the land because of the result of, of the shedding of innocent blood, abortion, and, and homosexual sins. And that's why God was sending this. And it's the same old stuff every time. It doesn't matter if it's a hurricane or whatever. Here we go, you know, the God's behind it. And they just don't understand. Some of it, I don't say is diabolical. They're just doing the best with what they've been raised with. But how do you serve a God, love a God, descending an epidemic, killing all folks? I mean, it just, it's just, it didn't, it just doesn't happen. And don't go drag me some verse out of the old covenant under the law, because we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. You find me something in the epistles, and then I'll say amen to it. But you can't find it, because it ain't there. And I've always said, and I don't, I don't get weary. You may get weary of hearing it. But anything you think you know about God that you can't prove in the life of Jesus, you need to question it. Because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He, he is the will of God. And, and Jesus never sent a, a, a curse. He never sent an epidemic. He never left somebody sick. He never uh, did those things that, that God gets accused of today. And so, you know, one verse has just been just over and over and over. And this will get some folks angry. I don't, that's not my intent. It's just to bring clarity. But Second Chronicles 7 and 14, boy, they've been wearing that one out. And this is what it says, if my people who are called by name, you know, it's if, it's conditional, if. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's the first thing you got to do, you got to humble yourself, and pray, that's the second thing you got to do. Third thing, and seek my face, that's the third thing. Fourth thing, and turn from your wicked ways, then if you do all four, what if you only do three? What if you do three well and miss up on the, on the fourth one or just do two of the four? 
He says, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin. Oh, he will forgive us. He happens that he will if you meet the criteria, and I'll heal their land. Now, people are posting that as if that's a verse for today. That's not a verse for today. That was a verse for the day in which it was written in. Everything in the Bible is for you, but it's not all to you. Because you've got to understand the, the time that they were living. They were under the law, and there was a time that our, the forgiveness was conditional upon obeying the law and the things that God told them to do. But we're not under that anymore. Man could never keep that. That's why God sent his son, Jesus. And what the apostle Paul preached and taught in Acts 13 and 38, he said, therefore let it be known to you. Why did he say it like that? Because it's not known to people. Brethren, therefore let it be known to you, Christians, that though through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. It's already occurred. It's already happened. Jesus didn't lie. He came to take away the sin of the world, and he did it. And so we're, we're posting things, and there, there, there are prayers, and there, there's verses in the Old Covenant, and, and that's what's confusing a lot of people in times like this because they're looking, they're looking for answers. They're looking to the church, and they're looking to Facebook, and they're looking to a lot of things. And they see Christians posting these ridiculous posts about God sending an epidemic, and God's doing this, and God's doing that. And, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't help. It gives a wrong, blasphemous, really, view of our Father. There was a time that verse was true, but it's not true. David said in Psalm 51, O Lord, you know, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's not an appropriate prayer for any New Testament Christian. Because God's not a liar. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The Bible says, if you've been born again, you're one spirit with the Lord. God's not going to take his spirit. But that prayer was appropriate for David because he wasn't saved. He wasn't born again. God was with him, but he wasn't in him. That's why Jesus said, it's my, to your advantage if I go. If I go, the comforter will come. He will not only be with you, he'll be in you. And, and, and so we, we, we're quoting, the, you know, the Isaiah 64, you know, the prophet cried out, Oh, God, that, that you would rend the heavens one day and come down to earth. Well, God did that. He ripped the heavens apart at Jesus' baptism. It, said, it literally says he tore the heavens and God audibly spoke, This is my son, God, Emmanuel, God with us. God had ripped the heavens open and came to earth as a man to save us. And so it's not appropriate today to ask God to open the heavens because the heavens are opened. The only place I've told you they're closed is between our ears if we don't believe the word of God, what God said. You don't, you're not having to tear a hole in heaven or try to get God's attention. His ear, he said, is always open to the cry of his children. And so God's very aware of what's going on in this earth. And, uh, and, and I, I just want to say this to you, and this, this is not so much today because in light of all this going on, you know, I don't even feel the liberty to, to just preach a, a, a teaching or a message, but you ha we're having to address that this before us, and rightly so. But, you know, uh, I, I just want to make these four statements, and then I want to end with something else. Fear and paranoia will sideline the church now when we should be the light. Uh, we, we, we should be the ones that's got a word from the Lord, We've, that, that God would have something that would bring hope and peace and comfort into people's lives. And uh, you listen, man, a, a little anxiety, a little anxiety is understandable in light of everything that's going on. Uh, but a crippling fear that many are suffering from is something that must be overcome. Uh, I want to tell you, a lot of people are more afraid of what the government's going to do than they are what this virus is going to do. That's the truth. They're more afraid of quarantines and shutdowns and, and curfews and and all that kind of stuff. But listen, I, I'm not minimizing this thing or the seriousness of it. But listen, 
some, some proper perspective is, is healthy right now. In, in America, in, and we're considered by everybody else in the world to be a rich society, uh, you are far more likely to die from the regular flu than you are this coronavirus. And you are way more likely to die in a car accident than you are to die from the coronavirus. If you was to put the top 10 dangers that would take your life, it don't even hit the top 10. It don't even hit the top 50, the coronavirus. Now listen to this. This is a fact, okay? 1.35 million people die in this world every year from car accidents. You ask Google and see if I ain't right. 1.35 million. That's 3,699 people dying every day. Ain't nobody saying close the dealerships. Everybody sell your car and stay home because the danger is too high. You know how many people have died in the world since the coronavirus? And it, it showed up in 2018, by the way, not in 2020. 13,671 people in the world. And we got 1.35 million in the world dying every year from a car accident or some vehicular-related accident, motorcycle, car, bus, whatever. And, and so I'm just saying just proper perspective, you're far more likely to have died on the way to church this morning than you were uh, contacting the coronavirus. So just keep a healthy perspective on everything and don't allow the media and the hysteria to, to, to blow it out of proportion. I mean, you know, you don't see anybody saying, well, somebody died in Mozambique in a car accident. They're not reporting it. They're not reporting it. But if you had somebody reporting it, every time somebody died, our news would be filled with people, deaths of car accidents. But they're not even covering it. And it's, well, that's just acceptable. That's just, but just a proper perspective of thinking. Number two, whenever people are afraid, racism always raises its ugly head. Uh, this is, to me, not like, uh, this is just my opinion, but it's not like when the towers, when the towers were, were struck, uh, again, we were unified with a common enemy, regardless of our race. And it seemed like people were nicer to one another. It really did to me. And, and I think a lot of you experienced that. In this, people are angry. <laughs> that's, my, that's my view. People, there, there's a sense of anger. I think it comes, obviously, rooted in fear. But there's an anger. There's a frustration. You've got people fighting in aisles over toilet paper and and, you know, now, now they're hoarding chicken and hamburger meat. But I want to tell you, nobody's hoarding filet mignons <laughs> or Delmonico's. <laughs> so have at it. You know what I'm saying? But it, it just turns from one thing to another because of people's fear. And really what it is is a fear that God won't be what he says he is. I mean, boil down, they don't like that, but that's the gospel truth. Say amen, I mean, it's the truth. They just like God is not, you know. Listen, God is the same God that flew food in by ravens to a prophet. That didn't have nothing to eat, but God caused a bird that he created to fly food into the brother. <laughs> and by the way, he used a raven, which into that Hebrew culture would have considered that bird unclean. He didn't send a white dove coming in speaking in tongues flying his his hamburger into him. You know what I'm saying? He, you, you, God, God don't have to ask you to whom or what he uses. But the point of that is God will provide. He always has. He will. He, he, he's going to provide. And so what I mean by racism, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about with Chinese virus. And I'm talking, 
you may have a Chinese neighbor. <laughs> you may have people that you work with that are of Chinese descent, or, and, and, and there's people that you think are Chinese that are not Chinese at all. Uh, so you just have to, but I've already heard a lot of, you know, racist remarks. And, and that, that's no place for us as the church. Can you say amen to that? And then the third thing, you know, my heart so, as I put in our little uh, video broadcast I did this week, my heart so goes out to every particularly senior pastor that has to make the decision whether to hold services publicly or not. Um, but if you decide to close your doors uh, until this thing is over, then there is a very high possibility you'll never open those doors again. Never. And which is part of the strategy of the enemy with the spirit of fear behind this thing because he wants to destroy the voice and silence the voice and, 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 and extinguish the light. Uh, just listen to this, the SARS, S-A-R-S, remember that? The SARS outbreak of 2003, that lasted eight months. The bird flu epidemic of 2005, it lasted 12 months. The West African Ebola virus that landed in the United States in 2014 was part of an epidemic that lasted 24 months, two years. So there's always going to be bad things happening, and if you're looking for a reason to close the church, there's always going to be plenty of them. You hear me? You don't need any faith to react to the bad news in the media. Don't take any faith to do that. All we do is just, they, they tell us something, uh, and then you just react to it. Uh, but I, I want to say this to you. The fourth thing, in times like this right here, uh, people crave light. They, they crave it. In every crisis, like the one that we find ourselves in, there's an opportunity uh, for us to shine. That, that's what Isaiah, uh, I believe it's Isaiah 60, he says, arise and shine, for thy light has come. Now, he says, darkness and gross darkness is upon the, the world and the people, but, but, but God's light is upon us. The glory of the Lord is upon you. And so people are craving that light for us to shine right now. It's time for us to shine, to say the right thing. I'm not being foolish or just crazy or whatever, but, but just, just don't get caught up in all of the things. You know, Monday night, um, of course, we met last Sunday, and then, but Monday night, this was really heavy upon me. Uh, everything, and it should be going on. And I'm, I, you know, I was doing what a lot, a lot of people are doing. You know, God is, you know, what is there a word? <laughs> you know, what, what, what do we say? What do we do? What, what is our response? And, and, uh, you know, just it's just amazing. You know, I, I, I realize, and I don't want to overhype this, and, I, and it's never my desire to ever give the enemy any uh, publicity or any of my time, okay? But I, I would acknowledge to you that this ain't heaven that we live in and that there is a warfare that goes on and there is an enemy that would seek to attack us, and, but we have God's protection. Now, one thing, one thing I am so thankful for is that... that uh, a lot of people have just discovered Psalm 91 in the Bible. They didn't know it existed. I literally watched it. You know, I was sitting on the back porch last night. Wasn't it? My wife came out there, and there was this little nurse on there that she just said, well, I'm going to make this video. I felt like God wanted me to. And, and, uh, and so I looked on there, and I think last night she'd had like 8,000 or something views. 
she's just a nurse that, that made this little three-minute recording. And what it was was that she said they were in a meeting at, the, at work and, and, and somebody at work handed her a piece of paper and it had Psalm 91 wrote on it. And they said, you need to read this. Well, she didn't really know. I mean, she's Christian and all, but she, you know, a lot of people ain't got the Bible memorized yet, including me. So, and then on her way out, uh, you know, she received other messages simultaneously that had no connection at all with that. And, and some of her family told her that, that they believe she, because she said she suffered from a lot of anxiety and fear. And people that, she said, people that know me know that I really struggle in this area. And then several other people texted her and said, I believe you should read Psalm 91. And then like she got in the vehicle or something and turned on the radio and it was a song, you know, that, that confirmed that to her. And, I mean, she was so touched by that. And, of course, that video touched, you know, last I looked at it last night with like 8,000 and something people. And they were so many comments of what the peace that brought. But, see, it, it, that, that psalm promises us the protection of God. Now, see, you got to understand, everything changed, y'all, when Jesus got here. I'm talking about when Jesus got here on the earth, it changed. Before Jesus got here, God's people were told, don't touch the leper, don't even get near him because you'll get it. That, and so a leper was by Hebrew law had to cover his mouth, and if he was passing someone, they did social distancing. Okay, And they had to say this three times, unclean, unclean, unclean. And that person would know that person's a leper, and they would pass way around them and just leave them alone. They, they, they isolated, quarantined lepers. They lived, you ever heard leper colonies? All that kind of stuff. Those people were ostracized from all those kind of things. And, uh, but yet when Jesus came, he wasn't afraid to touch a leper. He, he touched a leper, and he didn't get lepers. They got what he had. Because what he had was more powerful than what they had. And so they got clean. They, he didn't get unclean. Now, they're still the power of God. I, I was in the doctor's office uh, actually Wednesday, just a regular, uh, you know, re-up your prescription, deal, whatever. And, and, and I got some, you know, I, I, they were sitting there and taking my blood pressure and doing all that stuff. And then they walked me down to, the, to my room, you know, to wait on the doctor or the PA actually. And uh, you pay for a doctor and you get a PA. No offense to the PA, sadly. But, uh, you know, how about give me a PA rate then? <laughs> but anyway... Uh, I kind of got a little bit strangled on my own saliva. I don't know if I'm weird, if you ever do that, but that's all it was. And, and so I, I just, <coughs> I coughed like that. Oh, my God. I thought this was going to tackle me. I'm serious. I mean, the nurse, she wasn't even close to me. And she come in the room. She said, I heard you cough. She said, if you cough, we're supposed to cancel your appointment or at least put a mask on you if you're already here. I said, whoa, whoa, Liz, I just got choked on my own saliva. I said, I ain't got nothing. Chill. God almighty. People are just nutcases. And there's so many other, but that was the reaction. But Jesus touched the leper. He, he, because what we have on the inside of us is more powerful. Uh, I was, uh, so, you know, Monday night, Actually, you know, I, and I, I don't say this to glorify, but, you know, a couple of Sundays ago, what was it, three Sundays ago now, I, I gave testimony. I gave testimonies about healing. We, I think we entitled that hope for healing. And, uh, and, and it, you know, and I gave testimonies about, the, the, you know, and, and the real things that I've seen where people got their, you know, ankles healed and, and, and so forth. Did that. My wife leaves the church, goes to take a picture of a real estate property, 
and turns her ankle. We thought she broke it. She said, I heard it snap, and that's never good news. And, and, uh, and of course, we had to carry her to the orthopedic guys that early first thing that Monday morning when they put her in that little boot and cast and, and stuff like that. I don't think that's coincidence. I think you're just trying to attack my wife because I gave glory to God about ankles. So you're going to go after one. You know, I, I just do. I'm, I'm not going to make a big deal about it or whatever. Sunday, I'm preaching, you know, attack, you know, back goes out, can't even hardly move Monday. And uh, God didn't do it, didn't have nothing to do it, but uh, God don't send back problems and stuff. But Monday night, man, I just had a day of it, you know, but I was, I was actually, I was laying on the floor, wasn't I, Jill, and I had my feet up on the couch because that's what the chiropractor told me to do. And with a uh, TENS unit and just trying to, you know, get through it. And, uh, and so this is what I'm going to say. I, I'm going to just call it uh, several things. You, you pick the one you want. I, it wasn't a vision, but it, an, an impression that I believe had divine origin, an encounter with the Lord, because it's just, it just was on my heart all day. God, what's going on? Is there, you know, what, what's going on with this? Give me something, you know, to, to tell our people. And, uh, and, of course, last Sunday in my sermon, I had just off off the cuff, as we say, mentioned uh, about John G. Lake because there was many years ago I studied all these guys and I remembered how when he was there, this missionary, actually born in Ontario, Canada, but he, he, uh, he was there in South Africa when the bubonic plague was raging. People were dying by the thousands and, and he never got it. And uh, neither did the person that was working with him. And and, of course, I told you they sent doctors in there. And why don't you get it? What precautions you're taking? He said nothing but the Word of God. And, uh, and they actually took foam from dead people out of the, that come out of their lungs and put it in his hand under a microscope, and the virus died right before their eyes. Because he said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the. And, and so he had confidence. But now if you're full of fear, you don't need to try that. Okay? Uh, but he didn't fear that. He believed the Word of God. He believed that the power same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwelled in him bodily, and, and he, he didn't fear that. And God was able to use him mightily, and he, he shined, and that's what he's world famous for, by the way. And so I was laying there, and it's like God brought that back to my memory of what I said about John G. Lake and the power of God. And I know you could go, well, that was him. You know, what's us? He, he didn't get a different Jesus, or he didn't get more Jesus than we got. He, he, he just utilized more of him than, than we may be doing. And I felt like God said, just like when John G. Lake was birthed, he was birthed for that purpose, to shine, to show my power, to show my glory. And, and I felt like God said to, to me to look and see when he was born. So it was Monday night, and so I looked, and he was born March the 18th. And uh, like 1860, whatever you can look at. But the point is, I'm sitting there two days away, from when that guy was born. And I felt like God said just as he was birthed for this time that I'm going to birth something on March the 18th on the day that he was born that will cause a shift in the tide of this virus. And, uh, and it wasn't some, something casual. It was on me so strong I told my wife. And, this is, this, and some of you maybe think I'm a nut on this. I'm very reluctant a lot of times to, to go to this level with you. But I'm supposed to stand and tell you what I feel with all my heart. And so I felt like God said there'll be two earthquakes as a sign to you on Wednesday. Now here I am Monday night, y'all, 
And uh, I'm not trying to be some big prophet or something like that, but I am God's man. And I got a record with him, and he's got a record with me. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I felt like God said there'd be two earthquakes, and, and that will be a sign to you that this thing has shifted, that the earth has shifted. This thing has shifted in the earth. And so that's a pretty big deal to look at your wife on Monday night and tell her there's going to be two earthquakes. And it was only so strong, I told Pastor Johanna Tuesday. She called me. We were talking about this. And I said, well, Joe, I don't really normally talk about it, but I told her, didn't I? So I have two witnesses. That, 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 that's the Bible, two or three witnesses, that I said this before it happened. Now, on Wednesday, we had two earthquakes right here in the United States. We had a 5.7 on the Richter scale in Salt Lake City, Utah. There was no one hurt. God don't hurt people with earthquakes. But this was a sign. And, it, and, and all the news reports, uh, you know, it was on CNN, every news report. And, and so when I read it, I got up the next morning uh, and I saw it. And, it, of course, I know you can't see it with that right there, but that's the CNN's report. It says 5.7 magnitude earthquake in Utah knocks out power to thousands and diverts flights. That's the headlines right there. And so when I got up that morning and I first thing I seen it, it almost makes like good chills go over you because I knew what God told me Monday night was happening right then before mine. And I told Johanna when I talked to her, the second one hadn't occurred to you, I said there'd be another one. Now I'm thinking in my mind it'd be here or there or whatever. But, you know, but God said there'd be another one. We had another one in, uh, that afternoon, Wednesday, same day, in uh, Northern California, right on the coast. 5.2, by the way. Uh, this one was 5.7. But it said it knocks out, 5.7 magnitude knocks out, you know, power and diverts flights. I felt like God was saying that I'm knocking the power out of this thing and I'm diverting uh, this virus. I'm diverting this thing. I told my wife I saw it like a, like I go down to Florida, you know, where I've been going since I was a kid uh, on, on the Gulf and they have, they have it from, and I've been there when it was there. They call it the red tide. And buddy, when it comes in, it'll just choke out everything and you'll see dead fish lying everywhere. It's hard to breathe. It's making you cough. It's just, it's just horrendous. And unfortunately, we've had times that our vacation lined up with the red tide and we was there right in the middle of it and it wasn't no fun at all. And, um, but I almost saw it like that, that I saw this thing like the shifting of a tide, that it was, it's been flowing in, flowing in and increased. But I believe, and I'm just telling you with all my heart, I believe on that day whether, whether we can Go back on that day, March the 18th, just like God told me, there was those two earthquakes. He said that was a confirmation to me that there is a shift in the earth with this thing, and, I'm, and, and God's causing that, 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 that receding of that tide. And just like when the tide comes rushing in, it takes it a while to, to get back out. But I'm, I'm believing that. I don't believe this is going to be some long, extended thing. I mean, people are going to be talking about it forever because they ain't got nothing else to talk about. But, but, uh, but before long, it'll be like all these other viruses that I've named. And, and, uh, but as far as uh, this thing, I, I just want you to know that, that I, I believe that with all of my heart. I, I, you don't hear me say stuff like that very often, and I don't take that thing uh, lightly. Uh, but but I, I just knew that that was something that, that God had just said to me. Now, you can believe that brought comfort to my wife when I was able to say, look here, here's your two earthquakes. Just like God told me, remember, you know, and I told you Monday night, of course, you know, she's, she wants to ask more questions and get details on every little, she wants to carry it beyond the word of the Lord, <laughs> you know, and uh, she wants to know how long and how much this, and I'm, you know, I don't got all those answers. But God will always speak to us. And then somebody sent me, you know, two days ago, I told you a preacher saying this is God's judgment, God's condemning the homeless, you know, 
man, how, go back to sleep, brother. You've been up all night. You told us you was. This, you need some, you're suffering from sleep deprivation. Uh, you need to get some sleep. God's not angry. God's not sent this. Uh, the enemy is behind it. You know, Jesus went to the bow of the boat. They were trying to cross from one side to the other of Galilee. And, and, a, and a storm came and rose up against them to the point that the disciples were fearful for their life. A lot of people are fearful for their lives. And Jesus, they, they uh, ridiculous thing, they awoke. Now, Jesus was able to sleep. He wasn't fake sleeping. He was really asleep. And uh, they go aw- and they wake him up. You know the story. And they say a stupid statement to him, "Carest thou not that we perish? You know, uh, that's the whole reason I came. He should have said, tater heads, is because y'all are perishing and I come to save you. But he was sweet, he was kind, and he went to the bow of the boat and he was showing us what to do when we're confronted with things that try to take your life. He rebuked the wind and the sea. Well, that was Jesus. Well, you got Jesus in you, you said. Uh, now, why did he do that? Listen to me. That was a natural storm. Storms happen in this earth. That was a natural storm. It ain't like that's the first storm the disciples ever saw, but they never thought to rebuke a storm before. Number one, God's not in control of every storm that comes your way, and God's not sending an epidemic to get people's attention. Why did Jesus rebuke it? If it was sent by God, then Jesus is rebuking his Father. That's insane. Jesus rebuked a natural storm. This virus is not supernatural. It's natural. You understand that? It is a natural occurring virus. But we are to stand and rebuke it just like Jesus did because Jesus rebuked. Why did he rebuke a natural storm? Because he saw the spirit of fear behind that thing. He, he, he was rebuking what was behind it. Once he got rid of what was behind it, the storm laid down. You see that? And so what's behind this virus is more deadly than the virus. It's the spirit of fear, the fear of death and, and all the hysteria and all that, and, the, and just the absolute eradicating of faith. Somebody has seen, so much I've read so much, you know, online, I can't keep up with who wrote what, but, you know, one thing that I read that uh, I think Max Locato or whatever said it, but, you know, if you, if you feed faith, you'll increase in faith, but if you feed fear, you're going to increase in fear. It's just simple. It's not hard. So you can't, you can't give in to that that feeds the fear. And, and I, I just pray that brings some kind of comfort to you. But, I, I mean, that's no joke, man. I mean, that's no joke. I, I felt like, I mean, what's the odds of that happening? You know understand what I'm saying? And, and I just felt like God said that this is shifting in the earth, son. Don't let it, you know, control you. And God wants me to be a pillar in his house, to be a stable word in all of us. I so appreciate these elders being here today. And I, I didn't, you know, just love you guys. It's just tough. I mean, I should have talked to them every day through it, but I know probably they're sick of hearing it, and I didn't want to put them at odds with, with one another or just, you know, I just, I'll just take this. One. And then there's other things that, that I will tell you about later, but I'm not going to give it, I'm not going to give it audience now that, that occurred on that same day, you know, personally with me, where the enemy's just trying to distract me, even though it was such a wonderful confirmation to me that brought peace in my life, yet I was attacked in a way that, and I'll just we'll talk about it later and then you'll you'll go oh okay well I can see and it doesn't I'm not saying to be great but I'm just saying we're we're in a world where the enemy never calls time out he he, he doesn't go well you're going through a lot I'll kind of back up I mean there's just none of that there's no mercy in him 
There's nothing but fear and, you know, the, the, you know, don't get confused who's doing what. The enemy, the thief, the devil, his agenda is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Now, if it comes under those headings, it's not the Lord. Got it? But I've come, Jesus said, that, I, that, that they might have life. Life and have it more abundantly. I was watching my grandbabies play yesterday. Man, they didn't have a clue what's going on. They're just happy as lark, you know, and just having a big time. Just enjoying the beautiful weather and, you know, I understand that. But I, I, I just want to say to you, you know, and, and, and what we're doing, and, and some of you came anyway, and I told you if you came to this sanctuary, you wouldn't be denied or turned away. And, and, and I don't think less of you if you're not here. I mean, I don't. I love you. And, uh, you, you know, and especially, man, if you're challenged by immune system, I mean, I've told my mom, stay home. You, you think I got skin in the game. She's uh, years old, so I'm not going <laughs> to, not making my mom mad, but she's in the category that they say you should be concerned about. So I advise my mom, I, I, you know, I, you know I'd, I'd hang in, mom, and just, you know, just hang in there. And, and uh, but I told her not to be fearful, too. So, uh, you know, it, to me, there's so many precious people uh, to, uh, I, I just want to look up something here. I just want to check my email. No. <laughs> but, you know, this precious brother, he's probably, no doubt, uh, watching this right now. And if he's not right now, he will watch this. And uh, just a precious, precious brother. He's an encouragement to me. And uh, his name's Kelsey Clark. Him, his wife, his family, they're just precious. Um, and they, they were here for a few months, and then they got transferred or whatever, moved because of work and job and so forth. And, and, but he and I have kept, actually, we didn't make contact, you know, while we were here, but then once he moved away. And, and here he got a revelation of God's love, grace, and mercy in a way that he said he'd never gotten a hold of before. Uh, he sent this to me, I think it was Friday night or Saturday morning, but he said, uh, and, and he wouldn't care, I'm sure, for me sharing this, but he sent me a little email. He said, I was worshiping a couple of days ago when I felt the presence of the Lord just come on me. He said, when this happens, it's like the boldness just rises up inside me and I am like another level of what I feel like God has called me to do. Uh, he said, it's hard to explain. Anyways, he said, I was in the place with the Lord and, and he flashed a vision and I was sitting at a table with Jesus, and we were feasting. I was so full of peace and joy, I could not get my eyes off of Jesus. His glory and his beauty was drawing me in. While sitting at the table, it felt like I was in a bubble with Jesus, and in my periphery, I could see darkness and chaos going on all around me. With all of that going on around me, I couldn't stop looking at Jesus. He goes on to say that, when he said, when I write this down, it doesn't feel like it's doing the, the vision, the justice that it deserves. And I just replied back to him. I said, Kelsey, brother, that's nothing more than I will spread a table before you in the presence of mine enemies, God said. God says that. Man, I feel the Lord on that so strong. God said, I will spread a table before you. I will let you feast with me. And, and it's wonderful to, to just focus on Jesus right now. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. And, 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 and it is like you're in a bubble. 
God said, don't worry about all that's going on in the periphery and all the enemies and all this stuff around you. But I, you know, I will spread a table before you. You're like, God, why would you feed us in front of an enemy? Because God's got confidence in himself. He's got confidence to protect us. He's got confidence to keep us. And he said, besides that, I want your enemies to watch you eat good. <laughs> I want them to watch my favor and blessing on your life. You know, so this, this coronavirus is an enemy. It's a common enemy. No matter what race you are, what part of the world you live in, it, we all got one thing in common right now, and it should bring us together. It should bring us to love one another and realize there's things a whole lot bigger than the little nitpick stuff that we talk about and fuss about and get upset about a lot of times in our daily lives. There are people in every other nation of the world that will still swap places with any of us in America uh, because we are wealthy beyond most of their dreams or imagination. And I'm not trying to condemn us because of that. But let's just, 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 just use it. And, just, and I've seen so many people. I've seen a lot of good coming too. I've seen where people's tried to make sure that older people got something. And I don't know why they didn't start out. You know, I don't want to get all political. I don't know why they didn't start out limiting stuff from the day one. You know, one pack of toilet paper is all you get. I mean, I've saw people with buggies just rounded. And I've seen videos of people fighting, literally fighting, physically fighting in the aisles. Uh, because like one person went to come get some toilet paper and there was two women leaving with their buggy. That's all they had in the buggy was toilet paper and it was round. And some of these people are going online and trying to sell it for 50 times what they paid for it. You know, uh, I just will leave that there. <laughs> it's just ridiculous that, that those things, and, it, and so a lot of times these kind of things bring out the worst in people. It, it ain't like that just entered into them, it just to put it on display for what's really there. But in our hearts, in, in this house, we're not closed. Grace Point Church is open. If you need us, I'm going to meet with you, and I'm not be wearing a mask, you know. Now, if you're sick, you're having problems, then we still got ways we can reach out to you. But uh, I remember, i tell you who the real heroes right now is the medical community. And that's the doctors and the nurses and those people that are, are out serving and working and working extended hours. I remember because my heart goes out to them and I can feel that probably better than some because I was a paramedic for 20 years. And in those 20 years, we had all kinds of diseases, everything from AIDS to different viruses and infectious things to, to pop up in the world. And, 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 you know, and it was frightening sometimes because you, you're out running. It ain't like you could say, you know, well, hey, could you put on a mask? <laughs> I mean, you just couldn't do that as a paramedic. You just had to, to, to serve the people and do the precautions that we could do. And uh, but So my heart goes out and my prayers goes out to all the people that are in the medical community and that are serving, the doctors. And, and, uh, and, and man, we, we love and appreciate them uh, for what, you know, what they're being put through uh, right now. But I just, I just want to end with this, and then I want to pray. I, I want to say to you that we're going to meet now April the 5th. I think on my little video I kept saying the 4th. I had that in my mind for some reason. And uh, just that way God can show you all that I'm not perfect, you know, when I'm. But, uh, but April the, the 5th uh, is Sunday. I had people like, you know, like, are y'all say what they had been? Is y'all keep them? No, we're meeting on that Sunday, which is the, the, the church traditional world calls it Palm Sunday because of Jesus riding into the city and them throwing palm branches in his path. Uh, and uh, that's like, uh, that's the Sunday before uh, Passover or Easter. I, I, well, the last thing I told my wife, I felt like in that, in that time, Monday night, Monday evening, that God said there's no, in other words, 
that guy was born on March the 18th, and God said, on the day of his birth, I will birth something in the earth that will take care of this virus. Uh, and God said, as a sign to you, son, there'll be two earthquakes, and no one will be hurt, but it will cause a shifting of the plates, which is my message to you that this thing is shifting in the earth. And I, when I read the headline, it said, knocked out power to thousands and diverted flights. God said, I'm knocking the power out of this thing, and I'm diverting this thing. And... Uh, and I just said, yes, and amen, God. And, and I accept that, and I have decreed that. Now, this is what kings do. They make decrees. Now, Psalm 91 says, I will say of the Lord. you got to say it. Don't just read Psalm 91. Say Psalm 91. It says in Psalm 91, I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You, you, you speak that out and just, just declare that. And if you feel yourself getting anxious or worried or whatever because of the news reports, first off, hey, turn it off. That's a, that's a good advice. Turn the media down. Turn it off. But secondly, say to yourself where your own ears can hear it. Not out of fear, not a, not a rabbit's foot, not an incantation, but the word of God. And I will say of the Lord, and just say, you are my refuge, you are my mighty force. No plague shall come near my dwelling. Though a thousand may fall at this side or that side, but it shall not come near unto me. And just declare the word of God. God put that in there for a reason. You won't find nothing hit this earth that God already hadn't got the answer. And, and there's only 365 days a year, but there are 372 fear nots in the Bible. So you got more than one forever, you know, I mean, the, the word of God, fear not, fear not. It's the most often repeated command from the Lord, fear not, fear not, because fear never produces anything good. Fear is of the enemy. It's not of God. Fear has torment in it. Pe people are not being able to sleep. God promises you in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, a peaceful night of rest. He says your sleep shall be sweet. And so you have to claim that. I was talking to somebody the other day and, and I said, do you know that verse? They couldn't sleep. I said, you know that verse is in there. No, I didn't know. I said, you have a promise. All of his promises are yes and amen. So that's his promise. Is there a promise in the Bible for what you're facing? Yes, there's a promise. Well, God says that's for you and it's yes and amen for you. But I said, you have to do some warfare with it. And I was talking to my youngest son and I told him and it broke my heart. I said, you remember when you was about 10 years old? And he was getting on a little hefty there. He was a big boy. And I said, you remember, buddy, when we lived out where we out in the country and Daddy had that prayer cabin? But I said, and my, my little 10-year-old there, he was going through a rough time. I know you don't think 10-year-olds go through rough times, but he was going through a tough time. And he was being attacked, I felt like, spiritually and stuff like that. And I said, you know, when you were little, buddy, Daddy could physically pick you up. I tote you all day long in my arms. But I said, I can't tote you like that no more. You're about big as I am. <laughs> I can't tote you very far. I can pick you up. I can tote you a little ways, but I can't tote you very far. I have to put you down. And I told my son that, and I said, this is what I want you to understand. I said, I can't tote you spiritually, son. Daddy can help you. And I went in my office, and I printed three pages of nothing but Bible verses in relation to what he was facing. <laughs> and I handed them to my son standing outside. And I, said, and I told him, I said, buddy, what Daddy wants you to do and I want you to get on that four-wheeler of yours, drive to that cabin, and I want you to talk to God, and I want you to remind uh, yourself of these scriptures here and pray those scriptures. And I said, go down there and be the man that God's calling you to be, son. He took him in his hand. Never forget that little video in my mind. He took him scriptures in the hand, slung him legs over that four-wheeler, and he drove across that back pasture where we live. And I stood there, tears just streaming.
it was so touching, number one, that he would do that. And then it was, it was heartbreaking in the sense that I couldn't fix everything no more. I couldn't just make it all better. I couldn't give a kiss on the head and kiss the boo-boo and put a Band-Aid because now he was starting to be attacked and warfare and stuff was going on. And, uh, and, and so even the other day, I, I, I found, you know, my grown son going through a difficult time. And I, and I said, there's a promise for you, son, in the Word of God. You have to claim it. You have to stand on it. And sometimes you have to speak it out. And just because it don't work instantly don't mean it don't work. It'll work if we work it. If we believe in the Word of God, we declare the Word of God, we have the power of God, we have the blessing of God. This is time for us to shine like we ain't never shined before and declare that our God is alive, that we do have an answer, that we're not going to close the doors of a church and, and crawl in a hole and hide because the world needs us now more than ever. They need us now. I mean, for a church, on one hand, to close is as ridiculous as a hospital to close right now. I mean, yeah, they got physical need. My God, I'd never consider closing up. Well, I know you would. I know they've got it closed to visit. I understand that. But not closed to the people that need us. And we're not going to close here to the people that need us. Because people need us. The ones that, they need to be encouraged in the word of God. And, and to be in, so that they can be encouragers of others when they go out of here. So, uh, as Pastor Johanna said, and I'm serious about this, man. If you want a church to come back to, you got to support it. This ain't my deal. I don't own this. I'm not underwriting this. There's a lot of ministry that goes forth in this church that you never see here on Sunday morning. We don't have time every Sunday morning to go through the litany of ministries and things that, that occur through this church body. Uh, she mentioned the feeding. I don't know how many texts I got, more than I've ever gotten before, of people messaging me and want to know if our church is still providing food. And to all of those, I, I, yes, yes, we are providing food. The people need that now more than ever. That costs money to do that. That's not a freebie. And so, yes, we're providing food every Tuesday afternoon, just like we've done since almost the day that this church started. And, man, this community depends on that. And people, you understand, we're feeding people that don't even come to this church. We're not trying to just look out for our own. We're feeding uh, the community. And, and, and there's a lot of wonderful things that goes on. This is more than just some a place where you come get preaching. Home groups and, 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 and all the ministry that goes in the grace of God's message that goes forth from this house. And uh, just like that precious brother Kelsey there in Amarillo, Texas, uh, he sent me something this week and, and did I, something you know that I needed to sign as his pastor because he said, you're my pastor. Even though I'm in Amarillo, Texas, you're my pastor. And, buddy, I filled it out for him. And, yes, I'm his pastor, and I, I did my thing, and I sent it right back because I'm his pastor. Can you be somebody's pastor in Amarillo with, the, with social media and technology today? Absolutely. I know I was working the other day in some town, I think it was in Jessup, Georgia, whatever, and, I, and basically he and I talked all the way back to Valdosta. <laughs> and we had time just to talk and share and uh, to do that. And so there's people all over watching us and being able to, to receive the message, but we need you to support the church as if you were physically here. And Pastor Johanna told you how to do that at the beginning of that. And I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to say, listen, I mean, it goes on. Bills go on. We still have a payment to pay on the roof of the repair of this bill. I mean, it's nothing's going. They're not going to say, "Well, cause of this, we you know, forget about it." No, they're not going to do that. So we encourage you to support the church, and then we'll do this one more Sunday, and uh, try and adhere to what uh, the president asked us to do for that 15 days. And then those that are healthy and want to and desire to, we, there's no pressure on, on you. But we're and because we always have been broadcasting the service. This is nothing new. We didn't just start this uh, here. 
And this is one of those things where, like I told you, every senior pastor is under pressure and they just can't win. If you cancel services, people are mad at you. If you don't cancel, they're mad at you. <laughs> you can't win. There's no, and I've, I've taught, I've had pastors that I didn't even think cared less of what I was doing to contact me during this crisis and say, Pastor Dale, what are you doing? I've had them to message me through Messenger that I've never even met or heard of and say, what are you doing? I don't know if they were gathering a consensus or, or they literally cared what we were up to. Uh, but I believe we do have influence in this community and we do have a voice. And I do people are watching what we do and, and, and whether we gather or not. And uh, I know there's many of you that have told me I ain't worried about it. <laughs> and I'm in that boat. I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm concerned for people that are at risk and all that. I've got sense. I was in the medical field for 20 years. I understand the, you know, that aspect of it. But so if you're sick, then don't come April the 5th. <laughs> okay. If you're coughing, I mean, we're not going to tackle you, but you know, you know, but just don't, don't, uh, don't, uh, you know, just Use, use the common sense. That, that, that's what I want to say. I hate to use the wisdom because that's been used overdone here. Well, it's just with No, it's fear. Masquerading is wisdom. But common sense. Let's have a little common sense. And, uh, and I shouldn't have to be the one to tell you that. But April the 5th, am I right on my date? That's Palm Sunday. We will meet back here, full congregation. And then I can't wait to worship on Easter Resurrection Sunday with you. And, uh, and uh, to be here on Easter. And I, that's what I said on the little video. Man, my heart and conviction ain't no way I'm going to be sitting home on, on uh, Resurrection Day. <laughs> that, that's Super Bowl for the church, in case you don't know. That's, that's the day that we stand. And I believe, you know what that day is representing? The Passover. And, 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 and that Monday night, last Monday night, I felt like God said, by Passover, by Passover, this thing, you'll begin to see the results of this thing shifted on the 18th. And, and that. I don't mean they won't say the word after that, but I believe that you're going to continually see a downturning uh, of the fear of this. And But just know this. Uh, uh, I saw some precious people, and I'm not, I, I do love them, and I admire their faith. And so, but they, you know, uh, precious uh, uh, people, you know, some of them are in different counties around here. They're, they're putting up a, like a red banner or a red thing on their home. And, and they know it's not a rabbit's foot, and they're not trying to get that cloth to save them. But they're just simply, Christians are signifying, his blood is what covers us. His blood will cause this thing to pass over my dwelling, though it didn't come, it didn't come nigh my dwelling. And, uh, and they're using that, and people are saying, well, what's that red cloth? What's that? You know, and, and, but so I see Christians expressing their faith in a lot of different ways, and for that I'm thankful. And so, uh, but just be of good courage, amen? And don't fear. Uh, would you stand with me, those of you here, and let me pray with you? And and uh, I tell you what, let me. Uh, why don't we just declare Psalm ninety-one? You want to do that? Uh, let me get it pulled up here, and uh, so that we 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 make that declaration. Uh, let's just. I'm going to read it. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Whew. I will say of the Lord. Let's say this together. He is my refuge and my fortress. He's my God. In him I will trust. See, that's the key right there. And so just walk around, say that. He is my refuge, God. You, you are my fortress. In you, God, I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the pestilence 
from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For why? Because he gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. See, there's angelic help we got going on around here. Amen. You believe that? And uh, and so I'll read the last verse, for the last two for the sake of time. For he he shall call upon me, God says, when we pray, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Amen to God's word. Well, God bless you. Let me pray. Father, we, de- we make this decree because that's what kings do. They make decrees and declarations. And our faith is not something hidden, but we speak and express it through our mouth. And through what we say. So we release our faith now to this community. And we come against this virus. And we rebuke it just like you rebuked that storm. That tried to cause fear and terrorize your disciples. And to prevent you from crossing over to the other side. Where a demonic man would be delivered. And so Father we rebuke this coronavirus in the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. And we, we, we curse this thing. And we rebuke it in Jesus name. And we declare like you even spoke to the fever that was upon Peter's mother. You you spoke to the fever. We speak to our mountain. We're not trying to talk to you about our mountain, but we're talking to that mountain about our God. And so, Father, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. And we declare Psalm 91 is not some antiquated psalm that doesn't apply for today, but it is the word of the Lord for this hour to stand in confidence thereof and stand in faith. Now, before I say amen, God just reminded me of one other thing that I saw Monday night. This was later when I was going to bed. And I, uh, and again, I'm not going to try to hype it up or say it was more than what it was, but this is, the, this is the view that I saw. I saw many people striving and fighting to climb up, uh, ascend a mountain. And at first I didn't know what it was. And then I saw the name on the mountain, Mount Everest, Mount Everest, Mount Everest. And God said, if they'll just stop fighting, I will carry them to the summit. If they'll just submit to me, I'll just carry. And I just saw people being lifted and carried right to the summit. And they passed by all these people who were just killing each other, trying to, and pulling on one another and trying to get up. And and, and it's no coincidence that God uses the things he made. The tallest mountain on this world is Mount Everest. Mount Everest. God's got an Everest for us. We, we, we are securing him. And, and besides that, it's the highest position. And we need to look down upon this from a heaven towards earth perspective and not from an earth towards heaven with a fear perspective. Because that's what God's got for every one of us, Everest. Amen? And you believe that? That's a good note to leave on, ain't it? God bless you guys. We love you. <laughs>